Turn to the book of John, chapter 3. Book of John, chapter 3. If you'd asked me 20 years ago where I'd be tonight, I'd probably tell you dead. Tonight we're going to talk about how you can have life, an eternal life. I'm going to read a couple of verses, so please stand for the reading of God's Word. It's a strange thing. You know, there's little things, so I have this in big print, and then my Bible's in kind of little print because I didn't know how well I'd be able to see what I have. So it's little things. You know, it really is the detail. Uh, starting in chapter 1, please, John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Holy, righteous Father God, please be with these people and send your Holy Spirit to come upon them now and give them uh, a much more complete and deeper understanding of your holy word than I could ever provide or would ever come out of my mouth, Lord God. Um, Please stand with me and give me the words to say and the things to do. And uh, I just pray that you would have your will through me and in and through these people, Lord God, and move among them so that they would know you are their God and that they are your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Amen. So uh, Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a ruler, and um, Jesus himself calls him a master. So uh, the commentaries say a lot of things about Nicodemus. Everyone's got an opinion. Probably, I reckon he was a, um, he was a, a leader of the, of the uh, ecclesiastical university, perhaps. So this is a man who should know the Old Testament. Um, So he comes to Jesus uh, and asks him, um, you know, who are you, basically? And Jesus says in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So so Nicodemus asks Jesus, you know, kind of a weird question. Well, how can I be born again? Um, You know, can can I be an infant again and basically be born of my mother again? So so Jesus tells him, um, you know, a couple of different ways that we are born of the Spirit. We're being born of the flesh once, we're now born of the Spirit. Um, so we're going to dispel with a um, couple of uh, a couple of falsehoods in this section of Scripture um, that can lead one to easy believism and a false sense of salvation. And then we're going to talk about the truth of salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, so verse four, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he in a sec- enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this is a misused verse and, and an abused verse. And people, uh, um, there are. There are denominations and, and some people who think they're believers based upon their baptism because they think they've been born of the water. But Jesus is clearly answering Nicodemus' question. He's talking about the physical birth of an infant. So, so that, so 
that so when you talk to someone who has that belief, this is a good section of scripture to pull out and explain to them. Um, Jesus goes on to further edify Nicodemus, who he later says should know these things. In verse six, Jesus says, "That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit." So he further explains that the first birth is of flesh, of the water. And the second birth is of the Spirit. That's a capital S Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 7 says, and I like verse 7, it says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Uh, I consider myself a born again believer on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess I marvel. (laughs) And, And, you know, and Jesus tells us not to marvel, but it's a marvelous thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I glory in it. And I thank the Lord for what he's done for me. So, uh, you know, I'll owe, I owe him an apology, I guess, maybe, according to the Scriptures. But I sure am glad he saved my soul. <laughs> verse 8 says, so, so Jesus goes a little deeper. He gives another earthly example in verse 8 of what the Spirit is more akin to. Being born of the Spirit is more akin to than of the flesh. And he uses the wind as an example in verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So he uses another earthly example to explain that it's not like being born as an infant. It's not like being born of, of your blood or born of your father's blood or your mother's water. It's not being born under the power of man or the power of flesh. Being born of the Spirit's more akin to the wind. In verse 9, Nicodemus asked him the third question. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? And so what Jesus is about to do is something amazing to me. Jesus himself is about to preach the cross to Nicodemus. Man, oh man. (laughs) Uh, Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things. And this, this figures, this figures importantly. I don't think Jesus is, is deriding him or belittling him. I think he's setting him up to understand that what I'm going to tell you is based upon the prophets and the Old Testament and what you know is coming. Him, the, the one, the prophet, the king, the Messiah, you know is coming based upon the Old Testament. So I think that that is the setup in this verse that Jesus has given him when he calls him a master and reminds him of his training. He's a Pharisee. Reminds him of his religious training and his background that he's to be looking for these things, these very things that he asks Jesus in verse 2, you must be of God about. In verse 11, Jesus answers and says, Jesus says in verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. So Jesus starts using, you know, multiple people. He's talking about more than one person here. This is why I think he refers to him as a master in the Old Testament. I think that now it could be that maybe the apostles had already spoken with Nicodemus or that, that um, you know, a disciple had already spoken with Nicodemus. But I don't think that's the case. I think Jesus is talking about we. He's talking about the prophets in the Old Testament. He's talking about those sent from God because verse 3 
Nicodemus says, you're one sent from God. We know you're one sent from God. So that's what I think. Um, you know, you might have another take on it. A commentary or two might have a different, different thing to say about that. And, um, and that's fine too. But, but I truly think that when Jesus says we, he's not talking about his disciples witnessing the Nicodemus. I think he's talking about the prophets and the law, knowing that you have these things pointing to his coming. In verse 12, Jesus says, If I have told you of earthly things again, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So I love verse 13. I believe that Jesus is setting up his own authority here. He's setting up his own authority and his own power and his own witness that he is the Christ of God. And that he is the one who came down from heaven, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross to save your soul, was buried, rose again the third day, overcoming sin and death and hell. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you too can overcome sin and death and hell and have a home in heaven with Jesus Christ and eternal life, being born again into the kingdom of God. So I believe that's what Jesus is talking about here. When he, in verse 13, when he's talking about he who came down from heaven, he who went, who, who is back up to heaven, he even says, he even says, so he's still kind of talking in the third person. He says, uh, the son of man, which is in heaven, even though he's standing right there with him. So, I mean, Jesus, when he's standing right there is in heaven. He's with the father. He's with the Holy Spirit. They are one. Jesus is everywhere. He's God the son. So not only is he standing there or sitting there talking to Nicodemus, he's also in heaven with Father God. Verse 14. So this is, this is a type. Verse 14 is if you, if you know the story real quick and some of y'all probably can quote it or some of the verses from it and know what happened better than I. But, um, so the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, um, were, they, they rejected their opportunity, their first opportunity to go in the promised land and they were getting bitten by serpents. So Moses put a serpent up on a pole, and if they looked upon the serpent, they were saved from being bit by the serpents and dying. And so I believe this that story in the Old Testament is true and really happened, but the typology of Jesus Christ and the devil is also clear in it. And um and the uh the the foreshadowing and the coming of Jesus Christ is also clear in that story. That, that there's one who will be lifted up and save all who believe in him from the devil, right? So in verse, so t- let's uh, read verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So Jesus is still preaching about himself on the cross. And Nicodemus, being a master and a Pharisee and a ruler, should know these things from the Old Testament and that there's one coming. And Jesus is the one who is come, who's lifted up on the cross, who you must look upon in order to be saved and have eternal salvation. Verse 15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So everybody loves, uh, we're going to, we're about to talk about the second, uh, chance to be led astray through perhaps easy believism. And so we're going to come back to verse 16 and 17. Um, but I'm going to show you a couple other things first. Um, 
So verse 16, you know, it sounds real good. You know, Jesus came to save the world. I'm all right. You're all right. Jesus came. Hey, we know we're good, right? But it's not that simple. And Jesus does a little bit of hard preaching here. It's not, it's not easy believism. You know, not everybody is saved just because Jesus came and they're here in the world and they're part of the world. So let's look at, skip down to verse um, 18, please. And let's look at verse 18 and let's discuss first sin. Verse 18 and 19. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. This is hard preaching. This isn't easy believism. You're condemned already. You're hell bound for your sin. You are evil. Evil is in you. Your heart and mind are continuously evil. So this isn't easy believism. Can't just take 3.16, John 3.16, and make your own religion out of it. So um, we we are we are certainly born evil, and our deeds are evil. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good, and sinneth not. So you can be a just man, you can be a good man, you can raise your family well, you can educate your children, you can work at the puppy rescue pound, you can give money to charity, but you're still a wicked sinner and hell bound. Uh, and James 4.17, so let's talk about sin in James 4.17. You don't have to turn there. But what is sin? So um, James 4.17 kind of nails it down. I like to explain it this way. Um, you know, you've told a lie and I've told a lie. And even though I knew it was wrong, even though you knew it was wrong, you went ahead and told the lie anyway. And this is sin. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we're, so we're convicted of our, we're convicted by the Spirit. We're convicted of our own being in God's creation in us that we know we're evil. And there's no excuse. We're condemned already. Unless you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there are consequences for your sin. So in verse uh, 336 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There's no easy believism in the wrath of God abiding on a sinner who's hell bound. Okay? So the wrath of God, um, you know, that's those are the wages of sin, is death. And that's wrath and death and hell being cast into the lake of fire. Um, verse uh, Revelation 20, 14, and 15 say, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the Bible says, And as it is uh, appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So we're all going to die. We're all going to face judgment for our sin. Um, the Bible The Bible calls that, if you are cast in the lake of fire, the second death. <clears throat> Verse uh, 15 says, and whoso, 2015 says in Revelation, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. This is the wrath and death and hell and punishment that we deserve for our sin. Even if we think we're just and good. And even if we think, you know, John 3.16 alone saves us. Uh, but there's this book of life that it talks about right here in Revelation 2015. So, I mean, that begs the question, you know, hey, 
how can I get my name written in the book of life, right? Let's talk about that. So, uh, so now let's go to John 3, 16 and 17. And so I'm jumping around. I'm not saying Jesus preaches it in the wrong order. I just want to make sure we understand the foundation of the sin we have before we claim something and not really understand what we're saved from. So verse uh, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Amen. Right? Amen and amen. So we need to know what we're, what we're saved from. You know, hell's full of good people who thought they had it, you know, knew what was going on and had it pretty good. And, and heaven is full of wicked sinners who finally surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and be saved, born again into the kingdom of God and given a home in heaven. Uh, Romans 5, 8, 9 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So that's the wrath that abides on us for our sin. And we can be saved from this wrath through belief on Jesus Christ, being saved by his blood on the cross. So in order to do this, um, you know, uh, one must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So he came to save the world. But you have to realize that he came to save you and you have to personally seek him. And so it is it is a volitional act. You cannot simply be saved because you were water baptized earlier in the chapter. You cannot simply be saved because Jesus came to save the world. You must be saved personally from the wrath and death and hell that you deserve for what you did. All sin is against holy God. That's important to remember is that, you know, you can you can lie to somebody, you can treat somebody wrong, you can cheat them, and all those things are wrong to do. But those sins are laid up in heaven before God. And God sees your sin. He sees our sin. He sees my sin. Uh, John 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So again, we see you're not born by your lineage, your heritage. If your daddy was a preacher, that's not good enough. You can't be born by the will of man or the will of the flesh, but you must be born of God, born again of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it is by Jesus and Jesus Christ alone you're condemned already if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us. Um, so, taken together, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So Jesus is the only way to get to God. He's the only way to get to heaven. He's the only way to have eternal life. And if you receive him, believe on his name, he'll make you a son, a daughter of God, giving you home, heaven, an eternal life, 
salvation in Christ Jesus through belief of him on the cross, being born again into the kingdom of God. John 3.33 says, uh, He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. So the question is, and it's a good question, and I like to ask people who, who you know, aren't believers, is God a liar? You know? I mean, the Holy Spirit's got him right then. You know, it's make or break. Is God a liar? You know, I'm asking y'all. Is he a liar? Yes or no? Are these things true? Is the King James Holy Bible the inerrant word of God or not? Right? So, I love John 3.33. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. And there's a lot to having set to your seal. Um, so, the book of Revelation speaks of, um, speaks of the, the book being sealed and signified. So the Lord Jesus Christ were sealed unto the day of redemption. The Lord God's signature is upon us when we're saved and born again. And we are saved from, we are saved from wrath and death and hell because God's very signature of God is written upon us so that the devil cannot have us. In the end, the devil does not get us. God gets us. And we do as God will in the end. So, if, if we're to be born again, we need to think, what are we born into? Well, of course, the, the promise is heaven. And the promise is to be in the, in, in uh, Revelation 3, 21. The promise is to be in the throne room of God. The very throne room of God. Worshiping Jesus and the Father. And that's the promise. If you, if you receive Him, He'll come in and sup with you. And He'll give you to sit in His throne with Him. Even as He has sat down in the throne of Father God with Him, paraphrasing Revelation 3, 20 and 21. So that's the promise if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in His finished work on the cross, plus nothing and minus nothing. And that is how a man or a woman is saved and born again into the kingdom of God. They must know what they're, what they're saved from. There's no easy believism. There's no daddy was a preacher. There's no bapti- There's no being baptized and getting into heaven. There's no, I'm okay, you're okay. Jesus is a hippie. None of that. <laughs> There's no Eastern mysticism either. There's a lot of that. But that ain't the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. So, uh, let me follow, let me follow that up with a couple more verses. I'm going to show you a couple things from the book of Romans. I'm just going to cut over here and, uh, let's talk about, um, so I mentioned briefly the wages of sin for the wages of sin. This is Romans 6:23. for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this is a, this is a great verse, a famous verse. People love this verse, but they don't like to talk about the first part. So wages are what we're, are what we are owed. That's what we earn. So our sin has earned us the wage of death, the condemnation before God. But just like this book of life and how can we get our name written into it? What is this gift of eternal life and how can we receive it? Well, it's a gift. So how much does it cost? What do you got to do for it? How much work do you got to do? That's right. There's no, there's no amount of work you can do to get your way into heaven. 
You know, I personally tried a lot of things to be okay on this earth. And ain't none of it worked. <laughs> none of it worked. I had to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So I like this verse 6, 23 in Romans kind of goes hand in hand with Revelation 2015. And, and, um, it's a, it's a picture of the dual edged sword of the word of God on the one hand is condemnation. And on the other hand is the blessing and promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so the, the word of God cuts both to the quick and to the dead. So uh, I think we're just about done. That went pretty quick. You guys listen fast. <laughs> you guys listen fast. But let's, um, you know, let's go ahead and have an altar call. If there's someone who needs to talk and whoever's going to play, come on and play. Um, if, so, if there's someone who needs to get something settled with the Lord or even thank him for saving you and the incredible thing that he's done. You know, even though he tells us not to marvel, if you want to thank him for the marvelous things he's done for you, come on down and you can pray or you can pray where you are. Um, and I'm going to pray as well. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your son who died on the cross to save our souls. Thank you for the, the personal and individual salvation of the lost sinner who comes to you broken, in need of redemption, in need of salvation, seeking to have his name or her name written in the book of life to receive the free gift, knowing, Lord Jesus, that you already paid their debt in full. It's already paid in full. Jesus Christ, all the wrath of God that you deserve was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He was tortured to death for your sin was buried and rose again the third day, overcoming sin and death and hell. And if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you too will overcome sin and death and hell and have a home in heaven with Him being born again into the kingdom of God.